Also, just want to uh, re remind everybody that on the back of that card is a prayer request. We pray over those requests on Wednesday nights. We take the lists and we pass them out. We pass these cards out. And uh, if there's a request that you need to be maybe private, only for leadership, you can check off a little box there. But other requests are going out to our whole group, and we're praying over them on Wednesday nights. And we're leaving for you and with you over those requests. And we've seen quite a few answers to prayer as we put those requests and we, we have focused prayer on them every Wednesday. So I want to encourage you, if you have a prayer request, don't just continue praying that prayer on your own. Let us pray with you. Let us pray for you and, and, and encourage you and also um, agree with you in prayer. I want to let you know that uh, Anchor Students is now going to be every Thursday night. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so let's go ahead and cheer there. Let's go. We've been slowly working in with Max and Alyssa, and they've been, uh, you know, first we started off, I think, once a month, and then they started doing every other week, and then they said, well, that's not enough. We want more. So they want to do it every Thursday night now. So our anchor students from grades 6 through 12, uh, there's been about a dozen dozen students or so coming for that. It's been a great time for them to get to know one another and to continue to grow in their faith. So we want to encourage that, and uh, we're seeing some great things there in that group. So we want to... Max and Melissa are not here to thank today, but we want to thank them for the work that they're putting in with our students. Now, we've been talking about moving from to, and I regret to inform you that this morning, this particular message or this particular series is going to be over because we're starting a Christmas series next week. So, <laughs> moving from COVID to revival, part six, and we're going to end it here today before we move into next week which is going to be the best gift ever. And just a little highlight for next week, how many of you remember the best gift you ever received on a Christmas? Maybe that a gift that you wanted, you asked for, you asked your parents for, and you got it. Um, we're going to be talking about those kinds of things, and uh, we'll be talking about, of course, the, the best gift of all uh, coming throughout this Christmas season. This morning I want to talk about COVID, from COVID to Revival, chapter, or verse Verse 6, chapter 6, part 6, 6, chapter, it's a woman named Victoria Price, and she was working as a reporter for her local NBC affiliate station, and when she, when she was there, she received an urgent suggestion, it was an email from one of the people that watched her on TV, and they made a suggestion that Victoria go see her doctor. But the idea didn't come from a co-worker, it didn't come from a supervisor, it came from someone who was watching her on TV. The email read, hi, I just saw your news report. What concerned me is the lump on your neck. Please have your thyroid checked. By itself, those words might generally be concerning, but it was the next bit of information that propelled this story even further and caused her to take action. The person said, it reminds me of my neck. Mine turned out to be cancer. Take care of yourself. Talk about high definition. HD, saw, saw that on, on the TV. So Price did consult her doctor, and it turned out that that eagle-eyed viewer was right. The lump was cancerous, and she eventually was scheduled to have it removed. Price expressed her gratitude on an Instagram post, and she said, had I never received that email, I never would have called my doctor. The cancer would have continued to spread. 
It's a scary and humbling thought. I will forever be grateful to the woman who went out of her way to email me, a total stranger. She had zero obligation to, but she did anyway. See, there was an important, time-sensitive message given to this reporter. An important message that was sent through email. And when she chose not to ignore the message, she found life. She could have just written this message off and said, well, that, that's not accurate. That's not going to happen to me. But she chose not to ignore this message. And the message was literally a matter of life and death for her. And we as Christians have been given a very urgent message that is also time-sensitive. Now, we don't know when that time will be, but we do know that the message is urgent, and it will bring life to those who listen and obey. Last week, we talked a little bit about the early church. And one of the things that we learned about the early church with the apostles is that many of them gave their entire lives. They gave their lives. They laid down their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they suffered for the sake of the gospel. See, it was not a health and wealth gospel that they were following. But in their suffering, there was hope. In the middle of their suffering, there was hope. They suffered for a kingdom that was not of this world. They suffered for a new kingdom. And this is the kingdom that we've been talking about for several weeks now. The kingdom of God in Matthew 13. Several passages refer to what the kingdom of God is all about. And how do we build up the kingdom of God? In our Assembly of God fundamentals, the number 13 fundamental is called the blessed hope. The blessed hope. How do we find hope in the midst of everything that we go through? How do we find hope in persecution? And what is the blessed hope? I'm going to read it directly from the fundamentals. It says, the resurrection of those who have fallen asleep in Christ and their translation together with those who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord is the imminent and blessed hope of the church. Put simply, our hope is in the resurrection. Our hope is in resurrection. That this life is not all that there is. That what we're living today is not all. It's not finished when we leave this life. Our blessed hope is that there will be a continuing of our life. Our blessed hope is that we will see loved ones who have gone on before us. This is our blessed hope. And the reason that we can live to build the kingdom rather than build our own empires. It's the reason many before us have willingly laid down their lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. Why? Because to die is gain. They laid down their lives because they believe with all of their heart that if they laid down their life, that it wouldn't be the end of life. That it would just be the beginning of life into eternity. It's the reason for our confidence in sharing the gospel today. And why is, there, why is there this urgency? Why is it so important to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world that we live in today? Because before we get to that future hope, which we all one day want to be there, we still have life to live. We still have a call. We still have a mission. We still have an assignment and we don't know when the resurrection will be. But we do know that those who die without Christ are destined to be judged by the creator of the universe. 
We've been given a time-sensitive, critical mission as followers of Christ. Today's passage we're going to read, we're continuing to hear in Matthew chapter 13. And we've been talking all about the kingdom and different things about the kingdom and how the kingdom grows and how people lay down their lives and sell everything for the kingdom. Matthew 13, verses 47 through 50, you can follow along with me. It'll be on the screens behind me as well. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up to the shore, sat down, and they sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. This, that is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous. Throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The first thing we want to pull from this scripture is that all are welcome in the present kingdom. All are welcome in the present kingdom. Now when we think of a fishing net, in the Greek it actually means a drag net. It's a, a, a word that maybe you can repeat along because it might be a fun trivia question someday. Segene. Go ahead, say segene. Just to hear me. Segene. Just want to see if you do it. Segene is a Greek word for dragnet. It's a, a net that's drug along. And this net that we're talking about this morning represents the kingdom of heaven. The Greek historian Herodotus uses this word to describe how the Persians cleared and conquered and cleared an island of people that had conquered. This is a net that is thrown into the sea and it picks up fish of any and all kinds. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter. It pulls up everything that it can as that net travels along and brings everything into it. And a net was thrown down into the sea and it had weights around its edges so that it would go down. And when the nets were pulled by the boats, it just pulled in everything that came across. The kingdom of God is a net. The kingdom of God is a fishing net. The kingdom of God is a drag net. So as it does this, of course, we know that it drags not just good fish, because it can't discriminate, doesn't know what fish is what. It pulls in both the good and the bad fish. And when we read in Scripture, what do fish often represent? What was the first thing Jesus told his disciples to come and follow him and do what? Become what? Fishers of men. We can also substitute fishers of people in, in that place. Because man, man means mankind. It means people. They will become fishers of people. And their nets will no longer catch fish that's just going to help somebody temporarily to eat something. But still be hungry spiritually. You see, the focus of our kingdom and the kingdom of this world often focuses on the temporal, the temporary things. The things that we eat and the next day we're hungry again. And we drink and we're thirsty again. You see, these disciples, these followers of Christ, they were going to be catching people. With the end result in building the kingdom that will last forever. Building the kingdom that will last forever. So this parable teaches that a church that is building the kingdom cannot be secluded from the world. Well, you may say, I am saved, so I'm just going to keep the places where only my kind of fish are. 
No. See, in this dragnet, both good and bad fish exist together. It rains on the just and the unjust. It rains on the saint and the sinner. Our mission is to cast the net wide to catch as many people around us as we can. To go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come to the party. The party in Matthew 22. If you read that passage, they were compelled to come in to the party. And just as Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners, so his disciples, which includes you and me, will move among the people who do not believe. We will live among the people who do not believe. And what he's saying is this, listen closely. We are called to be in this world and not of the world. This means that we are to live in, be a part of, serve, and love the world around us. But we should live differently than the world. Romans 12, 2, Paul speaking to the Roman church, which also translates very easily to today's church and to our church. And it says in verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform the way that you think. When God's truly working in your life, the way that you think, the things that you do, the things that you speak will sound different than those around you. Doesn't mean you speak a different language or we have some secret code Christianese language or we use words that no one else understands. But what it does mean is that we live differently. Our values are different. The way that we live, the way that we speak, the way that we love, the way that we care for our community and care for those in need. The way that we bring food in for people who need food, the way that we support many organizations through our store, those are the ways that people know that we are disciples of Christ, that we are true followers of Christ, who don't just speak of Christ, but we do something with our faith. See, the net gathers all, and all are welcome. And we are to obey God and tell others about his grace and goodness, but we cannot dictate who is part of the kingdom and who is not. Let me say that again. We, you, and me cannot dictate who is in and who is out. That is not our job. It is not our responsibility to tell others who is in and who is out. We are not the judge. We do not decide, but we serve a righteous judge. We serve a judge who sees beginning and the end. And we have to be careful that we do not try to dictate who's in and out. I want to be very clear on this. Our job is to catch the fish. Our job as the church, as the people of God, is to catch the fish, is to throw out the net and pull along all that we can. All are welcome in the present kingdom, but not all will be welcome in the kingdom. All are welcome in the present kingdom, but not all will be welcome in the kingdom to come. And we say in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the kingdom come is available for a limited time. 
with limited space. By limited space, I do not mean that God is limited by a limited amount of space in heaven or a limited amount of space in the new earth. What I mean is that some will have their place reserved and some will not. Some who have received Christ and others who have not. And I wish I could stand here today and say that we all make it in the end, and that's what many people will tell you. That's what many talk shows will tell you, not in any particular ones. And we just all make it in the end. Just do your best and we all make it in the end. But that's not what Scripture teaches. You see, that would make it a lot easier for all of us. And then we would bear no responsibility for being a witness for Christ. See, it says here that in the end, there will be a separation between those who are righteous only because they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and those who are wicked. Those who are righteous and those who are wicked. That's the only difference between us and the wicked is Christ. That's it. Why? Because none of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. None of us are sinless. But we've been forgiven by Christ. We are made righteous by Christ. We are not good enough. We will never be good enough. You've either accepted Christ or you've denied him, and God is a righteous judge. C.S. Lewis put it this way. This is a writer many of you may know him many writings that he's written over the years. He says, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. In other words, those who try to follow the will of God and those who try to live their own life. God says, your will be done. If that's, what you want to, if that's how you want to live, if that's what you want to do, then your will be done. And there are those of us who say, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. I'm not going to you. It's the same idea that we read a few weeks ago with the parable of the weeds, where the angels will come down at the end of the harvest and they'll burn the weeds. The kingdom of God is available. The kingdom is time-sensitive and time-bound. But there will be a time at the end of the age where it will be too late. Limited time, limited space in the kingdom. It's not our job to set the time. It's not our job to set the space. But our nets must be cast wide to as many people as possible along the way. You see, all are welcome in the kingdom, but only for a limited time because space is limited. Then comes a question that Jesus asked the disciples, and I believe he would ask us the same thing. In verse 51, he asked his disciples, do you understand these things? Yes, they said, we do. Then he added, every teacher of religious law, and other versions might say scribe here, who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven, is like a homeowner who brings from his store new gems of truth as well as old. And that's my question for us this morning. Do we truly understand? Do we truly understand this parable and the weight of this parable? See, because if you understand, it's one thing to understand, but it's another thing to live accordingly. Do you truly understand? Then live it out. 
Live it out as if this were true. And we believe that it is true. So here Jesus makes an interesting comment about discipleship. See, every teacher of religious law that becomes a disciple brings new gems of truth as well as the old. See, we learn from God's word in the New Testament. We learn from his word in the Old Testament. We apply them to our lives and we learn even new truths because of that. You see, the emphasis here is not that the teacher of the law has been instructed, been instructed about the kingdom, but has become a disciple of the kingdom. You see, the scribes emphasize learning, but the disciples emphasize living. Both are needed to be a disciple of Christ. I'm not downplaying learning. I'm not downplaying living. Of course, that's important. See, the new is not just added to the old, but it has, been, it has renewed the old. The New Testament has renewed the Old Testament. And it's become something new in the process as we look it out. See, living without learning is stagnant, and learning without living is spiritual death. James 1.22 says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. See, this is a transformed perspective. This is what living with a transformed mind means. It affects every area of our lives. When you are transformed, you want to teach others. When you're transformed, you want to tell others about what God has done for you. When you're transformed, you want to believe and say out and sing out the song. Lord, you've been faithful. I will sing of the goodness of God. Well, you may say, I'm, I'm not qualified to do that. I don't have a Bible degree. I haven't studied theology. I don't know what kind of questions they're going to ask, so I don't have any answers for them. You might remember the Cashmans. They came a while ago, Jonathan and Brittany, and they sang, did some worship for us, and Jonathan Cashman uh, spoke. And he wrote this book called Go. Talks about making disciples in the 20th century. And one of the things that I thought was an important point, and I've read the book and I've reread it recently, is that you don't have to know it all. So let's dispel that rumor for a moment. You don't have to know it all. You just have to be one step ahead of the other one. You only have to be one step ahead of the one you're leading or that you're teaching. And he talks about in his story how he's a part of this band that were together and suddenly one, one of the, there's a, I think a husband and wife, maybe it was a boyfriend and girlfriend, I can't remember the details. But they were in this band and they accepted Jesus Christ. And they came to the band and they said, you know, we're going to be living a little bit differently than the rest of you now these days. And really begin pressing Jonathan about his faith. He said he believed, he kind of grew up Catholic, so he had some semblance of belief. He said he believed, but they asked him, well, where's the proof of that, John? Where's the proof of that, John? Where's, where do we see? Where's the fruit of that belief in your life? They had just accepted Christ maybe a day or two before he did. They were just one step ahead. One step ahead. This morning we must understand that all are welcome in the present kingdom. The net should be cast wide. The second thing we should understand is that the kingdom come is open for a limited time in limited space. 
And the third thing we should understand this morning is if we truly understand this, it becomes a motivating factor for us to build the present kingdom while we are able. To build the present kingdom while we are able. And when we do this, I believe that God will continue to work in us, that God will continue to change us, that God will continue to grow this church, and we'll begin to see us coming out of COVID. And yes, there's a new variant. Just throw that out there. There's a new variant. But there's no reason to live in fear. Why? Because we live in Christ. We're not going to live in fear. When do we get to do this? When we allow this, these things to become our motivating factors, we begin to go from COVID to revival. And I'm believing God for great things out of all the stuff that we've been going through. You know, God promises a lot of things. He promises to be faithful. He promises that we do have a blessed hope. He promises that he will change us and transform us as we continue to follow him. The one thing he never promises is comfort at all times. He never promises that we'll never go through things. He never promises that there won't be struggles, that there won't be battle scars, that there won't be scars, that there won't be temptations. Consistently, over and over again, Jesus tries to tell his disciples that you'll be persecuted. You'll be persecuted for your faith. And they died for their faith. They died for it. They laid their lives down because they had a hope they will resurrect again. And that this life is not all that there is. Do you believe that this morning? There's a loss of hope. We don't have to live in fear. It doesn't mean to be done. Still, still never do the right things. But we don't have to live in fear. Can we pray this morning together? Father, open our eyes the time sensitive message that you have given us to give to others. You've given us this message to speak. I don't know what your time begins. I don't know when you return. I don't know how many days I have left on this earth or any of us here in this room. But Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness to speak your truth. Not just boldness in love. Help us to speak your truth in love. Lord, we need you at work in our lives. We need your transformation in us. We need to cast the net wide and believe, Lord God, for great harvest. And there are many of our family members and friends and loved ones that do not know you. And this morning we lift them up to you. We ask that you would use us and help us to be sensitive to your spirit and speaking your truth in their lives at the right time. Help us to do that for God today. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit. We thank you, Lord God, for what you've done in us. Now let us share that with others. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here in this room, or maybe you're watching online. And you've never given your life over to Jesus Christ. 
But this morning, you're ready to make a decision to follow him. God blesses us. He's, he's faithful. It doesn't mean life is going to be perfect when we come to him. But this morning, you're making a decision. You're making a choice. The kingdom is now. And the kingdom is available to you. No one can promise tomorrow, but I can give you an opportunity today. I can give you an opportunity to become a part of God's kingdom this morning. If you are ready, all you have to do is ask and receive him into your life. Be made new so that you can be made righteous. You'll never earn enough. You'll never do good enough, enough good to earn your salvation. It's only because of what Christ did. And what did he do? He died on the cross so that our sin could, could be forgiven. He was a sacrifice on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. And not only did he die, but he rose to new life. In the same way that Christ wants to raise you up to new life today, leaving the old life behind, starting anew. And if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, or you need to renew your relationship with him. Today is that day. I'm going to ask you to say a simple prayer. Just quietly to yourself. You don't have to say it out loud. The words aren't magic. But it's simply a matter of a heart. As you speak these words. Lord. I believe you died for my sins. And I've given my life over to you. I believe you rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new right now. And fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, if you prayed that prayer, like if you're watching that online, let us know in the chat box that you prayed that prayer this morning. You'll also notice on the connection card that there's a place that you can check out and say, I received Christ today. Please put your name and address there so we can connect with you over that and help you to continue to grow in your faith. I also want to encourage you to download an app called YouVersion. There's been over 500 million downloads of version, which is God's Word. There's also all kinds of devotionals and things to help you continue to grow in your faith. I want to encourage you to look up first steps for new believers. And when you do that, just begin to go through that reading plan and continue to grow in your faith in that way. I want to encourage you to find a church that you can be a part of. You're watching from far away, but find a church that's near you that's teaching the Word of God. Of course, if you're nearby, 10 o'clock on Sundays and when we meet, and I would love to see you here to continue to grow in your faith. Let's have the church, let's, let's stand up this morning as we close. Church, God is calling us to be, be fishers of men. Fishers of people. And now is the time to step out in faith and to pull in every fish that we can. You see, our time on earth is limited. So let's catch all that we can over here. I'm going to read overview to this morning from Mark chapter 16. It's both a, an encouragement and a challenge. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He said, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and baptized, believes and is baptized, will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe is condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, 
and they will be healed. This morning, church, my charge to you is to go and be a fisher of people for the kingdom of God. Go and preach the good news to everyone. Go believing God can perform miraculous signs through you. Go not living in fear of what may happen. Go place your hands on the sick so that they may be healed. Go and build the kingdom. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.